You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4 tonight, verses 7 through 11. Well, as you guys know, we've been taking some time out from going through a book of the Bible. We finished 1 Samuel, and uh, we're taking a look at our mission and vision for our church um, as it stands right now, because the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. But these things will never change. They are timeless. So we want to take a look at our mission, our vision. So the mission is love God and love others. I think that's what we're supposed to be doing as believers in general. But our desire, and guys, remember that a mission and a vision aren't things that we have perfected yet. We're not saying this is us, but these are things that we want to be, and we want to be more and more and more. And we want to be known for that. In this community, we want people to hear the words Calvary Chapel Anaheim and say, those are a people who love God. And those are a people who love one another and love others. That is our desire. That's our goal. And so we want to grow in that. This comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love God. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And of course, loving our neighbor flows from loving God because God loves people. He has a heart for people. And if we're loving God, we're gonna love what God loves. And what God loves is people, and he loves us. God is love, the Bible teaches us. And so we want that love to flow. And that's where it starts, friends. It starts with God loving us. The Bible says we love God, why? Because he first loved us. That's where it starts, is receiving the love of God, remaining in the love of God. And then we'll love him back. And then we'll love other people. This is what we wanna be about as a church always, and this is what we want to grow in more and more and more as we're daily conformed to the image of Jesus Christ who was the express image of the Father, the image of love. Next is our vision. How do we do this? What does this look like as a church? Well, we wanna grow together in our knowledge of God so we're gonna study his word and his great love for us, and we wanna express our love for God and for one another through prayer, Bible study, wholehearted worship. Come on, wholehearted worship. That's where we want it to come from, from the heart, amen? Local outreach, global missions, and sharing of our spiritual gifts material resources, and practical service. This is what we wanna be about as a church. This is what the Bible calls us to be about as a church. 
And these are the things that we see here in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. So let's read through 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11 together. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. Man, Jesus is coming. He's coming soon, and he's coming anytime. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, passionate love. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Forgiveness. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Why? Because it's inconvenient and it can be difficult to be hospitable to one another. So we might be tempted to grumble when we have to clean our house and have someone over. And God says, you know what? Don't grumble. Be hospitable without grumbling. Verse 10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers or serves, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful ending there. And really that ending, guys, is the goal of this entire section of Scripture. The goal is that God would be glorified through Jesus Christ. And we are the body of Christ. And as we are the hands and feet of Jesus, and as we are loving as Jesus loved, then God is glorified as we're doing it with the ability that he provides, not trying to do it in our own flesh, do it our way. I'm going to step out and I'm going to do this for God and that for God and this for God and I'm going to be awesome. And God says, sit down <laughs> and listen to me first. Get your orders from heaven, from headquarters. And as you do what I call you to do, then I will supply the ability. And as I supply the ability, I will be glorified in your activities. And this is what we desire, friends, not to move out ahead of the Lord, not to fall behind him, but to be in step with him as he leads us step by step and day by day to do what he calls us to do and to do with the ability that he supplies. Amen? And then what? God's glorified. God's glorified. That's what we want. We want to glorify God. Now, backing on up, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. But I want to go through and just list, just, just bullet list. I'm going to read these things off quick to show how Jesus Christ is coming very, very soon and that we are living in the last days, the last days of the last days. We know that the rapture is imminent. It's been imminent for a couple thousand years. It can happen any time, any moment. 
But what other signs of the times do we have? It says Israel is back in the land and prospering. They're fruitful. This is what the Bible predicted would happen in the last days. The neighboring nations are at war with Israel. We read about this in Psalm 83 and Isaiah 11. The Gog and Magog invasion is, we're watching the stage get set for that with Russia, Iran, Turkey, and the alliances that are forming between them and the location of their armies and things and collaboration. The world is quickly moving towards globalization, right? We're told of a one world government in the last days. And perhaps you know of the World Economic Forum and the steps that are being made in this direction. And it's very rapidly happening. And we saw with COVID that there was, a, there was a quick fast forward in that direction, didn't we? It doesn't take much before all of a sudden these things are upon us in a more and more real way. Technology is in place for a mark, right? Remember the Bible says that the Antichrist will put a mark on their hands and their foreheads and they will not be able to buy or sell without this mark. Well, the technology is in place for a mark to control buying and selling. Right now, they could implement that if they wanted to, if the people would let them. And more and more governments are heading in the direction of control of the people. And so there's all these tools in place. When you look at history, friends, governments desire control over the people. America has been a very rare instance in history. And you just know that given these tools, it's too tempting. If we know that we have everybody's information out there and all their, you know, Apple phones are collecting it and their computers and GPS and they know when I go to work and when I go home and they have all this information and governments are just over there salivating over the data. (laughs) We just want the data, (laughs) you know. And so there's all these tools in place, facial recognition, computer chips in the hand, centralized data, GPS, smartphones, et cetera. Data is the new gold and China is leading the way in this. Technology is available for all the world to see the death of the two witnesses. Remember in Revelation, there'll be two witnesses. They'll drop dead and all the world will see. How's that gonna happen? Well, there's satellites and there's smartphones and it's very easy for that to happen now. There's a mo- the movement to rebuild the temple and reinstitute temple worship. We see more and more, even though there's still a small number comparatively, but we see more and more Messianic Jews, Jews who are coming to Christ. I just read a news article that there's a, a larger percent than, uh, than at any time that they know of, of Christians living in Israel than before. And there's a larger number of Jewish Christians. They estimate around 30,000 compared to much, much less uh, not too long ago. And so these are inklings of a Jewish revival that we expect to see in the last days begin to happen. And then during the tribulation, more and more, and then it culminates with the coming of Jesus Christ where they will see the one whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him and they will repent and it will be a great, wonderful revival there. Uh, We see the world moral climate in alignment with what the Bible says about the last days. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that perilous times will come 
Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Doesn't that describe the world we live in today? And isn't that the direction that the world is going in today? And they will have a form of godliness, but deny its power. And so it says, from such people, turn away. The Bible teaches us that there's going to be an uptick in false teaching. Well, we see that there's false teaching and there's antichrists or false Christs. We think of evolution and atheism and humanism and the devaluation of life in the womb. We think of the false religions that are pervasive. We think of personality cults looking for human saviors. We think of natural disasters, wars, famines, pestilences. They're all happening with more frequency and intensity. And the Bible says that as the time comes close, that that's exactly what will happen, like birth pangs that grow in intensity and frequency until the baby is born. We look at the world population. It's at 8 billion people now. And it's just like, I looked up a population chart. It was kind of freaky to look up the population chart because they show the world population that it was like two and a half million people in, in 1700. I'm like, what? That's such a small number. And then whammo, it's just this hockey stick of population to eight billion people currently. But then what was kind of freaky to me is that they projected the population out into the future and it tapered off and began to level out. And I'm like, what makes them think it's gonna taper off and, and level out? And then you look at the little asterisk, the note, you know, and it says, well, because of, of female education and family planning, we project that the population will taper out and go down. And you can see why some people are getting so upset about pro-life, because it messes with their population plan, their family planning. And so you can look that up and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, oh, this is what they want for the world because they don't know what to do about the population. Did you know that God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth? Don't you feel like it's gonna take some faith to be obedient to that as you see the earth fill up? It's gonna take some Christians saying, I believe in God. <laughs> I don't have the answer for exponential population growth. I know that God made us creative and we can get water to places where there's no water and we can have desalinization plants and we can, if we could get together and think, but the problem is sin and sin nature. So we're not getting together and thinking. Instead, our solution is let's kill babies. And so it's stepping out in the flesh rather than in faith. There's no revival happening. People are getting saved, praise Jesus, but we don't see widespread revival like we did in the 70s, like we did in the 50s, like we did with the third, second, first great awakenings. We don't see widespread revival and we wonder what's going on. Well, the Bible says that in the last days there will be a great falling away and apostasy. Perhaps that's what we're witnessing right now. When we put all of the puzzle pieces together, we go, you know what? Jesus is coming soon. 
Jesus is coming soon. And with all of this in mind, and I know that there's much, much more, this was just a simple brainstorm for me, God wants us to live with a sense of brevity of time and therefore an urgency because indeed the time is short. And if it's not short for the world, but we we know it is, it's short for us individually because our lives are but a vapor. And before we know it, we're done. And so what do we do? Do we sit back and, and just wait for death to come, wait for the grim reaper to come and reap us? No, that's not what the Bible teaches. But in light of this end of all things as at hand, we're given some instruction. And this is what Peter gets into now. And so he goes on to say in the middle of verse 7, therefore, right? And I think every pastor says whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is it therefore? Therefore, well, since the end of all things are at hand, be serious and watchful in your prayers. So that's our first directive in light of the timing, is to be serious and watchful in our prayers. Serious means sober. It means to be in your right mind. It means to be self-controlled and watchful. Watchful, this Greek word used here, literally means to abstain from drinking wine. It means to be sober, not to be drunk or under the influence, literally. But it also just means, hey, be alert. Be calm and collected in spirit. Be temperate, be dispassionate, be circumspect. Circumspect, circum means around like a circle, circum, spect, like spectacles, looking around, watchful. You ever go out to eat with someone who's in law enforcement and they always like sit with their back to the wall and they're always watching the people as they come in, <laughs> you know, or, or like a, a special forces person or something, you know. <laughs> Sorry, it's a habit. I always have to sit with my back to the wall and look around. That's cool. I feel safe. <laughs> Circumspect looking around, be watchful, serious and watchful in your prayers. Now, I looked at some different translations of this. In the King James Version, it says, be therefore sober and watch unto prayer, unto prayer. The NIV, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. I just like to put it all together and go, this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to be in the right mind and alert, which prepares us. It puts us in the right mindset for effective prayer. It actually leads us into effective prayer. If I'm looking around and I'm being thoughtful about what's happening in the world and my life and things like that, it's going to make me want to pray. And then... It is the correct mental state as we pray to be active and not passive in prayer. To not like say these rote prayers and these repetitions, but to actually be thoughtful in the composition of our prayers as we're praying with one another. And then we're to be persistent 
in our prayers. As the New Living Bible says, it says, therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. It does require discipline to pray, doesn't it? Boy, it is so easy for our minds to drift when we pray. It's easy for my mind to drift. Maybe I just have ADD or something. But man, I start praying and it's like, woo, I think of this, woo, I think of that, and I think of everything. And then I have to bring myself back, bring myself back, you know? And then I went out with Pastor Rich for lunch and he really encouraged me, hey, you know, James, make that list and pray through the list. And I've been doing that every day since. And it really is helpful to keep me focused in prayer and, and to bring up the things, you know, the, the people and the issues and things like that that I want to pray for consistently. In fact, what I've done is um, I actually went through and I looked at the prayers of the Apostle Paul. And I said, what, what did God, what did the Holy Spirit inspire the Apostle Paul to pray and to write down for us, for our learning? And I wrote some of those things down, just little bullet points. And so every day I pray those things for myself, for my family, for our congregation, that we would mature in our knowledge of God, to know his love, to abide in his love, to love one another, and to love unbelievers. That there would be an overflow of joy and peace and all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives. That we would be strengthened in our inner man. That I would have courage to preach and to share Jesus with other people. That I would have discernment and that we would have discernment and wisdom and understanding and I can go on. But I took these things from the Apostle Paul and what he wrote and I'm telling you, I've seen these things happening in my own life and in the lives of the people and the leadership in our congregation, our eldership, our worship team. I see God doing these things in us. And it's super exciting for me to see the fruit of prayer and, of course, all the other things, you know. The Word in you and your responsiveness to the Holy Spirit in your lives. And so that helps uh, with being focused, being serious, and being watchful in our prayers. So I would encourage you, if you have a, a problem with letting your mind drift and things like that, try making a list and try praying through that list. But be open for the Holy Spirit to take you in other places. We never wanna get into a legalistic thing where we're just reading a list and thinking we prayed. <laughs> okay, I did my duty, check, move on. In fact, the Bible says to be instant in prayer. So, so that, that means ready to pray at any time, ready to pray. Like remember in the American Revolution, there were the Minutemen, remember the Minutemen? They were the militia that were to be ready to go into battle in one minute's notice. We should be like that, friends. Ready to go into prayer in a moment's notice. Someone begins to share a need with us and we're listening, we hear what their need is and we say, wow, you know, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Can I pray for you? And we pray for them. We pray for them. Instant in prayer. This is how God would have us to be. Uh, one pastor from the video that we watched last summer, he said, he had a friend that uh, he quoted that said, 
I never pray for more than 20 minutes. And then he said, but I never go 20 minutes without praying. Whoa, that was good. That was good. Is it better to spend an entire hour, you know, in the morning in prayer and then not talk to God again until the next morning? Or to be touching base with the Lord over and over? Uh, how about both? <laughs> or, or just how about what the Lord leads you, you know? It doesn't have to be a legalistic thing. This is why the Bible doesn't say, okay, I want you to, you know, get out your prayer rug and three times a day, I want you to put it out and bow to the east and then you're good. Why? Because God wants relationship. I'm not gonna say to my bride, hey babe, I'm going to sit down with you at this time, this time, and this time every day and we'll talk for 10 minutes. That's all you get. Can you imagine that? And so it is with God. It's about relationship. It's about communication. It's about openness. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.